This episode of Where to Begin With will feature heavy spoilers of the movie Creep from 2014. If you've never seen the movie before and you want to take part in this series by submitting in a review of this movie, hit stop now. Go away, check out the movie, it's on Netflix, and then come back and fling your review at my face. However, if you have seen the movie before, or you just don't care, then keep listening on. Don't say you weren't warned. Alright, we are uh, leaving the flatlands and we are heading up towards the mountaintop. The ad said $1,000 for the day, filming services. Discretion is appreciated. The yellow door. I'm realizing that no one knows I'm here. Hi! Oh, I'm sorry. Hi. I didn't mean to scare you. I'm assuming you're Aaron. Yeah. I'm Joseph. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is gonna be a good day. So the reason I've hired you is because I have terminal brain cancer. And I want you to film me to make a video diary for my unborn son. You ready for this? Okay. Joseph! This is called an adventure. Woohoo! We don't know exactly where we're going. <laughs> But I have a feeling. When you follow those feelings, great things can happen. Don't ever forget that. Joseph? <laughs> there was about two seconds there where it looked like you wanted to kill me. Joseph, I think I'm gonna head back. You see my keys? One drink, okay? Bottoms up. Scared. Don't be scared. It'll all be over soon. And welcome back to another episode of Where to Begin With. This is season two, episode number eight. And in season two, we are looking exclusively at found footage, mockumentaries and faux documentaries. On this particular episode, the eighth instalment, as we are running towards the end of the series, I've chosen what I think is a really great example of what can be done with very, very, very little. Any genre where, let's be honest, most of them are made with very, very little. Creep is a, it is technically a found footage movie, although it exists in the world of I'm showing you the footage and you are reliving it, but you don't know where it's coming from or how I've got it until the very, very end. So yeah, Creep is a movie that was kind of, as Blumhouse that are behind it, 
but it's the specific subsidiary of the Blumhouse kind of outfit or vehicle that put this one together. The cost, I mean, this one is estimated in the didn't cost much of anything. I mean, we're talking, we're talking like in the low thousands for this movie. And it went straight to Netflix as well after doing a, a bit of a run on the festival circuit. So, you know, it kind of feels on some level like we're just going to dump it here. But in, in another kind of world, I look at this as the perfect vehicle to drop a movie like this onto a platform like Netflix where you're watching it going, what is going on? And another thing that kind of works with this one in a way which it probably shouldn't is the main character here is played by Mark Duplass who is instantly recognisable. He's done a ton of stuff. Him and his brother in the background, the Duplass brothers, have produced God knows how many projects and uh, yet our money spinners, they're used to working with very little and generating a whole hell of a lot. So it's not even as if this could be passed off as, uh, you know, a work of non-fiction that happens to be fiction. This is clearly fiction right from the start. But this one is less about trying to fool you in to believing that what you're seeing is real. This movie's more about just making you feel uneasy and maybe some cheap jump scares along the way. And it's in that capacity that we're going to talk about it as the eighth movie selected here. It is a limited cast. You really have Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass. Patrick Bryce is the director who's also the main protagonist of the movie. Uh, Mark, Dumpla, uh, Mark Duplass being the antagonist of the movie. And it's a very basic plot here. Patrick Bryce's character is a filmmaker called Aaron who has answered a kind of Craigslist ad to basically film something for someone for an entire day. He travels up into a remote location in the hills where he meets Joseph, played by Mark Duplass, and we find out very early on that Joseph has terminal cancer. He's not going to live longer than three months. He has an unborn child on the way, and what he wants to do is essentially capture some moments of his life that he will never get to spend with his child for prosperity and for future viewing somewhere down the road. Which is, I mean, on its most simplistic level, kind of heartwarming, but we know that this movie is going to take an ominous twist because it's called Creep and it's Mark Duplass. And Mark Duplass is, he's got a weird dark sense of humour. And what we find as the movie unfolds over its very, very brisk, like, hour and 17 minutes, including credits, is that the layer of psychological games that Joseph is playing with Aaron extend further and further out. He is almost exclusively lying about everything in his life and deliberately setting up scenarios to, and we get the line at the very end that I kind of love, almost vet him as the next, and I'm saying next here, victim of what is a sinister serial killer. But he can only really kill if the, the victim really genuinely 
follows through with all the trappings that he sets out. So he puts people through these awkward social encounters to see how much they will take before they finally snaps, can takes no more and go away. And ultimately, as we find out at the very end of the movie, Joseph is obsessed with this idea of people seeing the good in him. So all the evil, heinous, fucking awkward, horrible, vicious shit that he puts Aaron through he manipulates him on an emotional level to keep forgiving him, to keep him maybe thinking that Joseph might just be a sad, lonely guy. And it's that sort of manipulation of the character that I think is done excellently. Mark Duplass, he's a tour de force in this movie. I've always liked him as an actor, but he really shows incredible chops in his performance here at sometimes being surprisingly funny and charming at other times being repulsive and then at other times just being downright creepy I mean they picked the name of the movie perfectly and all throughout the movie you are putting yourself in the position of Arne the filmmaker the guy with the camera that's another reason I kind of love this concept as basic as it is the movie almost dares you at every point to see how much you prepared to take well I wouldn't have stayed there once he'd done that And I think what is interesting is some of us like to think that, but I know I've had weird social encounters with people in a bar, for example, where, you know, every fibre of my being's like, get away from this weirdo. And ten minutes later, I'm still kind of in a half conversation with them, trying to get away because I've added all the social airs and graces that society expects me to do in awkward situations. Whereas the most honest thing to do would be to tell the person to fuck off and get the fuck out of Dodge. So I love that about this movie. As uh, as a viewer, I imagine some people will be like, well, I would have just walked out by now. That's great, but not everyone is you. And that's... Everything he does to an extent, not everything fully, but everything that he does to an extent, you could kind of pass off as this guy's just a little bit quirky, not quite there. Now, without going into massive more amounts of spoiler here, I will say that this movie is shot really well. It has that kind of improvisational temperament to the conversation, so not everyone speaks without stumbling. You get those moments where people are very honest. It's kind of almost that mumblecore element that I know some people are put off by, but I think it works really well here. And essentially, the movie itself is spun out of hours and hours and hours of conversations between Bryce and Duplass, who obviously know each other in real life, um, and they just recorded conversations with Duplass essentially pushing the extremity of how far he could take things in a conversation, and they ended up with so much footage that they essentially ended up chopping it down, and... It has apparently alternative endings. I've never seen them. I actually love the ending to this. I think it's absolutely perfect. I also think the cheap jump scare at the very end is kind of brilliant. I think it's, you know, as it, just as you're kind of like, huh, you lower your guard in that last second and you get hit with... And the jump scares in this one are mostly boo scares. Someone behind a tree, someone behind a door, someone banging a car. It's those... It's cheap parlour tricks... But on some level, that's kind of what found footage is. 
And I think on some level, what Creep is doing is kind of raising a magnifying glass as if to say, well, you can spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds making one of these movies, or you can just have two characters interacting with a camera and still get the same sort of effect. I think it works very well for it. I think it knows exactly the sort of movie it is. I think it delivers on those, and that gives me a giddy joy because... This is the playground of people that don't have a lot of money and to deliver a movie on this level and get on a Netflix where it holds a relatively high review grading collectively on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's testament to what can be done when you have an idea concept and you stick to it with the straight face which this movie does. I think Creep is a great example on the more extreme side of what you can do with a bit of clever manipulation um, and something that feels grounded. Like I say, for the most part, everyone has had a conversation with someone that feels a bit weird. That's a bit, you know, off to the side, whether it's in a work capacity or you've been left alone with someone or in a cafe or whatever it is. We all have those experiences. This is just a long form version of that. And I think that works incredibly well. But that is enough of what I have to say about Creep. I want to hear what you guys have to say about Creep. I'll be giving you details of where you can send in your review of this movie and what your deadline date is. But before we get to that, let's turn our attention to Lake Mungo, which was the movie we covered last month. You guys have submitted in your reviews and we're going to get to them right now and find out if you guys are as high on Lake Mungo as I am. The first one is a written review and it's coming from our good buddy Tim Walker who FYI I know loves this movie so I'm expecting nothing but glowing praise. Tim says, Dear Duncan and Teapots Collective People, Well Duncan, this time you picked Late Mungo and there's absolutely no ambiguity about this one for me. No wondering if a recent watch will improve it. There's no doubt about it. To me, it's a fucking masterpiece. As I said in my review for the Teapots Movie Club when this was one we covered as part of the swing through Australia and New Zealand, Late Mungo is my favourite found footage or full documentary horror movie film. The only movie that competes with it in this subgenre is Cannibal Holocaust or Savage Land. Files Savage Land under Hidden Gem, by the way. If you haven't seen it, get on it. I believe that in that review, I also mentioned that Late Mungo is my favourite horror movie of the last 35 years or so. That's still true. It's in my top 10 favourite horror movies of all time. The most recent movie beside Late Mungo on that list is The Thing from 1982. So yeah, I think pretty highly of this one, and I just don't understand you people that don't. You're an absolute enigma to me. Of course, I'm the guy that hates Cabin in the Woods with a vicious passion, so what can you do? We all dislike something popular. Why do I love this one so much? I'd say it's the intensity of emotion, the overall creepiness, the extremely authentic documentary feel to it, the outstanding acting throughout, especially by the actors who play the parents, the really creepy ghost footage, and that powerful ending. The ending, by the way, has the only jump scare in any movie that genuinely freaks me out. Seriously, it's a tough watch for me. My heart starts racing when it gets to that part because I know what's coming. My first watch, I actually jumped and gasped, which is not a common reaction for me. 
I almost gave it almost gave me a goddamn heart attack. I've actually left the room in one or two watches during the jump scare scene. That's the found footage scene near the end for those that don't know. It just disturbs me that much. Plus the concept of it is just disturbing as hell. Seeing your future corpse walk up to you and almost fly at you, knowing you're filming it too so the footage will be there when you see it later. Absolutely horrifying. Besides the jump scare, I think the most effective thing about the movie is the authentic documentary feel combined with the creepy ghost footage. The combination works by lulling the viewer into a false sense of security. They're just watching a documentary, right? Just a documentary film or TV series like any other. Well then, they show the ghost footage and sudden jolts into the supernatural realm are jarring as hell. For a few seconds, the movie bypasses my analytic brain, and even my sceptical brain, and makes me think, what am I actually watching, and is that a real ghost? Everything else feels real, right? So does the ghost. Very effective. All the ghost footage, including the ones that the brother faked within the movie, make my blood run cold. Now, Duncan, I've heard your take on the ending, your theory that the mother killed herself and while I find that fascinating, I'm not definitely sold on it. Unless there's a potential future fate of the mother. In other words, foreshadowing. I just don't think a documentary crew would withhold that news that the mother killed herself. Within the movie's universe, it's a real documentary crew, right? I don't think they'd go into that much detail about the family and not say at the end, Oh, by the way, the mother killed herself. Like I say, I might buy that as foreshadowing, that that the mother had killed herself in the future, I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood your theory and I've got it all wrong. That's also possible too. Anyway, I'm not trying to take a massive dump on your theory, Duncan. I do think it's interesting and probably not too many people would think of it. So what would I rate this after a rewatch? Five out of five stars, of course. I just don't see this movie ever not working for me or going down to my estimation. I just love it that much. It's pretty unique in a lot of ways. By the way, I also love the mystery of who the hell the writer and director of Late Mungo is and why he hasn't done anything else or will give any interviews about the film. It's almost like Late Mungo is slowly developing into its own urban legend status as a movie is slowly seen more and more around the world. I can dig it. If I'm not mistaken, the next movie is going to be Creep from 2014 and I'm just warning you now... I'm not going to like it anywhere near as much as Late Mungo. I strongly suspect the old curmudgeon Tim will return. I'll give it a rewatch and a fair hearing, but I do recall not liking Creep at all. Not even a little. Take care, Duncan and Teapots Collected people, and remember to always look in the background of all your photos. Just in case. Tim. Thank you very much, Tim. Awesome to hear from you, buddy. I knew that was a no-brainer. I knew you loved that movie. And I was looking forward to hearing your review. And now that I've read it, I'm all smiles. Let's jump to our final review on this episode. It comes in from our good buddy, David Garrett Jr., who has submitted an audio review. David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Puts Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here once again for Where to Begin With... And this time around is for, you know, the next episode here of Mockumentaries and Found Footage Films with Lake Mungo. Now, this is a film that I originally saw as part of the After Dark 8 Films to Die For series. Now, I have to admit, the first time I saw this movie terrified me. And 
It's one of those things, though, I know for most people it doesn't necessarily do that, but it's one that just some things tick boxes for me and kind of gets under my skin. And it's also kind of interesting here is that this is the fourth time I've seen this movie in, like, recent memories. I did it once for an October movie challenge. Uh, Duncan, I did it for when this was a selection for movie club challenge and i believe i also watched it last year when i was move, working through all of the movies for the summer challenge series as well so this is one that just keeps popping up on my list and it was actually kind of interesting the first time that i saw it there was some time before you know getting back around to checking it out again so since i have covered this on movie club challenge i'm going to be try to be as brief as i can i really think that the documentary portion of this movie really works because it feels like an episode of unsolved mysteries to me I like how this is really just a kind of look at grief and how people deal with that. It's like we have the father who, he's trying to just move on with his life. He's buried himself in his work and he knows that his daughter is, you know, gone. But he still does little things like leaving the porch light on. And even though he saw the body when it was pulled from the lake, he's still having issues dealing with it. The mother, on the other hand, never really got her closure. And you've also brought something interesting up there that... I was really trying to watch this time around to see it. And I think there's this interesting thing here that I'm not sure if it's supposed to be that, like, you know, time is a flat circle, that when the daughter is of Alice is trying to, you know, tell her dreams and how it syncs up so well with dreams that her mother is having where, you know, she goes into this room, her daughter believes that she can't see her and then ends up leaving and everything like that. And I will say... This movie, the ending is what really kind of got under my skin and just the realism of everything that's presented, I just kind of get sucked into everything there. I think that the acting is pretty solid here across the board. I believe everybody. Nobody stands out where I don't think they're going to win awards, but I do think that they really just show this grief and they actually seem like a real family, which is pretty impressive to do here. And I actually kind of wanted to bring up here that the actress that plays Alice is such an interesting role because we never actually get to see her alive. All of her footage is from pictures and like home videos and everything like that. It is still interesting how they can establish everything. Now, since this is a found footage film, I like how this doesn't really get a whole lot of like the shaky cam that you get with some of these. Because this is really filmed like a documentary. Now, we do get a little bit of that when we're showing like old home movies. But a lot of times those are actually set up on tripods, so that does help. And I also think there's some realism here that the footage doesn't always look that good. Is there's times where it's hard to make out some of the things that we're seeing. And I mean, we're also using old cell phone footage here as well. So that's not going to be as crisp as you would expect. Now, a lot of times for found footage films like this, there's not usually a soundtrack. Or if there is, it's usually kind of like a post-production thing. That's what I put in for here. But I do think that the selections here really kind of make me feel uncomfortable at different times. And it really just helps his atmosphere here because that's actually a big thing that we have is that we know this happened to Alice. We know that she's, you know, passed away and everything like that. But there's such a feeling of dread as, you know, we're seeing these, you know, doctored footage of, you know, stuff that Matthew, the brother did or, you know, as things go on, we actually realize that in the opening credits when we're seeing all of this spirit photography, that actually comes into play in the end as well as there is actually images of the sister in a lot of the stuff, but nobody actually kind of realized it. There's just a deeper plot here as well of like hiding secrets that her friends didn't know, her mother had no idea about, is that we actually don't realize that we might think we know somebody, but even then they still are harboring secrets or we just don't like to share everything completely. So I personally think this is a good movie that just keeps going up for me, and I've liked it since the first time that I saw it. I think it's, you know, 
quite realistic and we're focusing on the grief of this family where a ghost of the daughter might actually be back telling them something there's some interesting twists or turns and this is just a really kind of depressing type film that just ticks boxes for me i thought everything kind of works really well to you know bring this to life here so duncan last time i saw this i was sitting at a four out of five on the t-put scale but i think after this viewing it's gone up for me where i'm now sitting at a 4.5 out of five here on lake mungo and I'm actually interested, Duncan, that you selected Creep because much like you said on the episode, I can do a double dip here where I can watch it for the Summer Challenge series as I work through that list. As well, this is one that I've been meaning to give a rewatch since I saw it for my year-end list as it was intriguing after that first time that I saw it. Can't wait to hear the episode and hear what everybody else's thoughts are on Lake Mungo. And once again, Duncan, thank you for everything that you do. This is David Garrett Jr. and I am signing off. And thank you very much to David Garrett Jr. for that review. Well, thank you for getting in touch and letting us know what you made of Late Mungo. Always great to hear your reviews on the episode. We are doing Creep next for your reviews, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys make of this movie. In terms of how you can get into me and when by, as always, you can send it in by email or personal message on Facebook if you like, if that's better. The closing date for this one is Friday the 17th of September. Friday the 17th of September. Episode will drop on Monday the 20th. So your reviews of Creep from 2014 which is available on Netflix everywhere I think Netflix bought up the rights to that and that's where it now resides both movies actually that and the sequel exist on Netflix so yeah Friday 17th of September episode will drop on Monday the 20th and speaking of that episode the next movie we'll be doing is one that's slightly off-piste I've been looking forward to coming back to this one because it's a found footage movie that I genuinely enjoy. It's also from a different part of the world, which I think is hugely important. Um, it falls within that camp of G-horror that makes me all giddy and follows a very disparate narrative which works surprisingly well. That's right, you guessed it. The next movie we will be covering is Noroi, The Curse from 2005. That will be our final movie of the the series before we hit into what is the obvious heavy hitter for the 10th and final episode um and i will say no more about that but you probably guessed what it is to close out the season proper as always thank you very much for taking part in where to begin with this show only exists because one you guys download it and two you participate in it until the next time i speak to you take care of yourselves out there this is duncan mcleish signing off and i'll speak to you next time